0: So who knows what we've been looking at over the last term? It hasn't necessarily been clear with what people have been talking about, but everything has been hinging around community. Common ownership. I think I have to swap this mic. I don't want to crackle people's ears. Is that working? It's even louder. So everything we've been doing is based around community or common ownership. And we've been doing a series of topics from Ephesians. Uh, but everything within community is actually coming back to, uh, to the role that I play within the community. And I was thinking on, uh, you work in a factory. I had a friend who used to work for Cadbury's. And, uh, and his job was to put the eggs in the box on the conveyor belt. Really hard job. But he said everyone had a different job to do. Somebody would bring boxes to the, uh, to the conveyor belt or to have them all ready. Somebody would actually fold the boxes and shape them, put them on the belt. It would then go through, somebody else would provide the eggs, somebody else would put the eggs in the bucket, then it would go the next layer, somebody would fold it and put it away. The person putting the boxes in the conveyor belt went on break and guess what happened? The person assembling the boxes stood there The person with the eggs still put the eggs on the conveyor belt, and the guy packing them all just let them all fall off the end. And he said, I couldn't believe that people were saying it's not my job. And he said all it took was for him to go and grab a whole pile of boxes, bring them along, and put them at the start of the line, and everything started working again. Within community, everybody has a job to do. And if I don't do my job, community doesn't function. And when it comes to evangelism, we all have a job to play. Amen? Who's excited about evangelism? Not as many hands go up. Well, if I could have the first slide up, please. I want to talk about it today, but who knows what a a carrier signal flag is? Who's ever heard of a carrier signal flag? Who wants to have a guess at what it might be? No. No. What was it? It's the flag on the letterbox. You were the closest. (laughs) When a postman would come and deliver mail, he would raise the flag to say, You've got mail. And the purpose of that flag was that you would look out your window, you would see the flag up, you would then go and get your mail. If the flag wasn't up, you didn't have any. So if the postie forgot to raise the flag, you wouldn't know that there was mail there. So his job was to basically say, you've got mail. Complex job, but an important one. And before we had mail, uh, sorry, email phones, people would do some incredible things and they're called uh, writing letters. Who's ever written a letter? (laughs) Who's never written a letter and posted it? Oh, most of you know what it is, that's good. But we have technology nowadays, we have all sorts of things that enable us to get messages out, but who's ever had a pen pal? Have you ever received a letter from a pen pal? What's the feeling you get when you find that letter? Excitement. Excitement. There's a message being delivered. There's something here for you. Email's not as exciting. I get over 100 emails a day. Most of them are spam. So when I check my emails, it's almost with dread rather than excitement because there's not usually letters of encouragement there. There's usually, uh, you know, sign up for this. We want $100,000 uh, actually, we want to give you $100,000 because you're just such an awesome person. I get lots like that. You get all sorts of things. It's incredible. But uh, the whole concept of mail is, is delivering something. And apart from the post you're delivering bills, which is probably the primary thing that they would deliver, some of the stuff that comes in is good news. You get a letter from a pen pal, it's good news. And the postman doesn't really deliver a whole lot today, apart from just bills. Uh, if I looked on the news this week, and most of the things they're now looking at is, is parcels. There's such a backlog of parcels. Australia Post are looking at putting on a thousand people before Christmas just to help with the backlog. But their role is still an important one. And under old the old system, the postie would actually make his delivery, raise the flag, and say, "You've got mail." But the message today isn't that you've got mail. The message today is that you've got mail to deliver. You've got mail to deliver. You're in fact a postie for Jesus. How's that for a good term? You've got mail to deliver. It's going to read from Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven And on earth go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all things that i have commanded you and lo i am with you always even to the end of the age what would happen if 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 everything jesus did was a business what do you think he was seeking for as prophet have a guess why did Jesus come to earth? To save us. So who, what is he interested in? Souls. He wants to see people saved. So if his, his business is about seeing people saved, and then he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, go therefore and make disciples. What he's saying is, the business that I've been running, I'm now passing over to you. The job that I was doing, I'm now passing over to you. So if Jesus is all about souls, we also need to be all about souls. That's what evangelism is, spreading the good news of Jesus. Now, what's the most re- the most common reason people don't share their faith? Fear. People feel fear. Fear makes them stop spreading the message. The postman doesn't like to deliver mail to a place where he's going to be attacked by a dog, does he? But some of the things that people might look at with with fear is that they might feel foolish. That's one of the reasons they don't say anything. They might find that they just don't have the words to speak. That They they come before a person and say, I've got no idea what to say. They don't see any results from their evangelism. Nobody gets saved when I talk. Nothing ever happens when I talk. Or they're worried about being rejected, losing their job, losing their friends, losing their family, being labelled as one of those Christians. So the reality is most of us feel fear. I remember as a Um, I was probably in in my teenage years, we had an evangelist come to our town and he stayed with us I think for two months and every Saturday the whole group of us would go down the street and witness to people. We'd gather, we'd pray for an hour first and then we'd go on the streets and we'd witness. And this guy was pretty bold and I wasn't. And so we're walking on the street and as he would often do, he'd target a person, he'd go, that one. And he'd go after him like a like a hungry lion. Anyway, one day he points at this lady and goes, that one. And I went, oh, no, it's my auntie. She did not want to hear the gospel. She was a good Catholic. We were bad Pentecostals. We were evicted from the church because we were Pentecostal. We weren't in good standing with her. And so for me to stand there quietly like this, I was so embarrassed. I felt rejection. I certainly didn't have the words to speak, I felt very foolish, and I certainly wasn't expecting to see any results. So fear was something that was very, very strong. But the reality is that fear is nothing but false emotions appearing real. With a key emphasis on false. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10 says, The thief does not come except to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So if Jesus wants to bring life and he wants us to share the gospel with people, the enemy's plan obviously is to say, let's stop that. I don't want you doing that. So he's going to bring a level of fear in, but it's false emotions. It's all the what if questions. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that when the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. The same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood. The fear that you feel is not unique to you. But we've got to feel the fear and do it anyway we've got to push through because the reality is the enemy comes around like a roaring lion. It doesn't say that he is a roaring lion, it says like. He is pretending, he is trying to be something he is not. He has no authority. So all he can do is whisper words into your ear. What if this happens? What if that happens? So the reality is this dog is a bit like the enemy with no teeth. How many would be scared of a dog with no teeth? Not as bad. He might be gummed to death. But when the enemy has no power, when we recognise he has no power, we can stand stronger against him. Because the reality is, we need to recognise that fear is nothing more than lies from the enemy. Amen. What if I look foolish? Well, what if they get saved? What if what if all of heaven rejoices, bursts into this incredible party and celebrate a life that just got saved because you broke through your fear and you said something to someone? What if you don't know what to say? Well, what if the Holy Spirit gave you the words to speak like he promised in his word? What if they don't get saved? What if they do? The responsibility for the choice of salvation isn't on me, isn't on you. The responsibility is on that person to be saved. What if they reject you? And the reality is they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus. The very one who wants to set them free we can present them with a message but they have to choose whether they want to open the mail the postie might deliver a telstra bill but the recipient still has to choose to pay the bill you might have to choose to read the mail you might have to choose to respond to the mail our job as a postie for jesus is to deliver the message not to get them saved we trust god as a part of that process There's a lot of what we we allow to stop us is based in fear. We say, I won't, I can't, I don't know. How many know that the enemy came before Adam and Eve and said, did God really say? He'll ask questions to make you doubt. He'll make questions to ask you, wonder, what do I do here? What if this happens? What if that happens? But the lies that he gives us are just to stop us opening our mouth because he knows there is power in the gospel. He knows that when you speak to people, things will be saved. You know what happens if you actually lay hands on somebody, and they suddenly get healed? Why shouldn't that happen? Because the Bible says it will. It'll certainly open the door for us to speak to people. I had a uh, a lady one day come to my shop. She was about this high. I think she was shorter than Louvain. She was about 90 years old, and I very clearly heard God say, "Witness to her. Tell her about me." And fear kicked in. I don't know what to say. I look stupid. What if I lose her as a customer? What if she tells other people and I lose more customers? And I reasoned it out. And then later in the week when the local paper came in, her face was on the front page. A Well-known local lady dies. And I thought she may have gone to hell because I was too scared to open my mouth. Is somebody's eternal destiny worth fear? Is it worth you keeping your mouth shut to feel comfortable? I don't want to be that sort of person so how do we deal with fear this is the good news we can actually deal with fear firstly recognize that 2 Timothy 1 7 God has not given us a spirit of fear fear does not come from God he's given us a spirit of power love and sound mind fear is a twisted form of faith we're trusting in something's ability to harm us secondly We actually don't have a fear problem. We have a love problem. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of sound mind. We hold love, we don't hold fear. So if we struggle to to witness to people, it's a fear issue. uh, Sorry, it's a a lack of love issue and that's what we need to work on. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love the greater love we have for people the more we will want to point them to Jesus if I see the loss and I can see what's going on and I have a deep love for them and we read multiple times that a, a compassion for people came over Jesus and he would preach even when he was tired even when he was exhausted the compassion for the lost drove him to do more to grow in love for God, we need to know God more. And one of the problems we often have in churches is that people struggle in their walk with God. They know they're not praying enough. They know they're not reading their Bible enough. So they come and they hear a message, great, now I've got to do more evangelism. Now I've got to hear God's voice. How do I do this? And they walk out hanging their head with the weight of the world on their shoulders, even more than when they came in. But we need to learn to fall in love with Jesus. That will actually break that cycle. How do we fall in love with Jesus? What are some things we can do to fall in love with Jesus? Asking him, yep. Spend time with him. When, when a couple come together at first, they deeply fall in love because they do everything together so many people say we fell out of love we just don't love each other anymore actually no you didn't commit to building into the relationship anymore it's when we stop doing things together the the busyness of life kicks in the pressures of kids kick in and we focus on everything we have to do rather than focusing on the relationship if we want to grow the relationship we have to make time for the relationship if i want to grow in love and more in love with jesus i have to make time for that relationship I know he loves me, but I've got to make an effort to do things to build that love, to pray, to ask him, to read the word. I shared, I think it was last week, a man uh, who had a $20,000 debt. He was about to go broke because uh, another person had gone broke and owed him the money. And, and he, he came up to, uh, it was my brother was the pastor at the time, and he said, what do I do? And he said, have you been praying? And he said, yes. He said, what is God saying? He says, I'm not really reading my Bible. He says, well, how about we start there? Get your Bible out. They prayed. He read through. He says, what's one verse that really jumped out at you? He said, this one here, I need to trust God. He says, okay, you pray. Within two days, this guy received his $20,000 and was told you will never, ever see a cent of it. But he said, I have to trust God. And that one little thing he put into practice and he saw fruit from. And you know what happened? Next time he read his Bible, he was saying, God, what are you saying to me? And he grew and he grew and he grew. And a number of people within his church who would would put this effort in would actually grow to become great leaders within his church. Why? Because they fell in love with Jesus just by reading his word and saying, God, what are you saying to me? And the more we read his word, the more we hear his voice who would love to hear God's voice more? Two of us, three of us. If we hear God's voice, we can be led by God. To know when to speak, to know when not to speak. We had, last year, I've shared this testimony before, last year, at the, at the start of the year, we were in Melbourne, and uh, there was a limousine driver pulled up in front of us, and I had a sense that God wanted me to pray with him. We were all talking as a group. There's Ben and Liz, Robin, myself, uh, Bree was there, there was just, we're all sitting around talking and this guy had some issues where he couldn't sleep and I felt God say pray with him and I reasoned it out, fear kicked in again and, and I'm saying God do you want me to do or not and I don't want to miss God but sometimes in our fear of missing God we actually miss God and I didn't respond, about two minutes later Ben goes can we pray with you, I went oh good somebody else is doing it and then Ben goes this is my pastor he'll do it So this guy was really excited. We gathered around him, we prayed. Turns out he tells us afterwards he used to be a pastor in a church, still a Christian, goes to church, but now runs a limousine business. And I was really stirred by that thinking, I actually heard from God. And then the next day he sent us a message saying, I had the best night's sleep last night that I've had for a long time. And then so next time, a few days later, we're in Queensland. And there's an Uber driver who'd who'd been uh, T-boned, he was a bus driver, been T-boned by a semi-trailer. Severe accident, broke his back, uh, pins and needles in his legs, all sorts of things. He wasn't in a a really good state. And, uh, And I had that sense, again, pray with him. So we prayed with him as we got to the place. I thought, I'm not letting this one go. We prayed with him, didn't see anything happen, but he was really, really encouraged. On the way home from the shops... I thought, this is fun. You know, the more you evangelise, the more excited you get. And anybody who's done it will tell you that's exactly how it works. So I was excited, we're home and the the Uber driver was there and I didn't ask God, I didn't have a prompting from God and I asked him a question, he was ready for a fight. And through those three steps, I recognised that we actually need to be hearing from God in our evangelism because it's not about me doing the work. It's about me partnering with him. This verse again, the last part I want to focus on, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The whole purpose of evangelism is for us to partner with God. Not for me to do the work, not for me to avoid doing the work, but for me to partner with him. I had somebody recently was talking through something and, and I, I said, God, do you want me to pray with him? And I heard a very clear no. He says, okay, so I just kept talking. That was really easy. But knowing to hear God's voice can save a whole lot of trouble. Might be just a place where you can start building relationship with people. Might be a place where you sow a seed. Might be a place where you lead them across the finish line. But we see the Bible says that Paul sowed Apollos watered God reap the harvest we partner with God he's got a job to do in this process it's not all about me it's not about me doing everything and God you just sit back and and when they get saved then you can celebrate now God says I want to do this with you I am with you always and so often we try doing things in our own strength I have to do this I have to do this What have we sat back at the start of the day and said, God, what do you want me to do today? I want you to orchestrate my steps. I had one stage where in the middle of the day, God said, go for a walk on the beach. I think that's a bit strange. I went for a walk on the beach and I bumped into somebody and it was a God encounter. Sometimes following his voice is a very powerful thing. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you should be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Then you will be witnesses. Again, this is not on your own. And the literal translation is, but you will take possession of power when the Holy Spirit has superimposed himself over you. Whatever you do, he will do. Whatever you say, he will say. Wherever you go, he will go. Because of this, you will be my witnesses in your hometown, in your city in the surrounding regions and even to the ends of the earth because you won't be alone. The Holy Spirit will be doing it with you. We are never alone when we accompany Jesus. One of the problems we have is that we want Jesus to accompany us. God, I will do this and I expect you to be here with me. And while he will, he wants us to be following him, not for him to be following us. Jesus said he would send another helper just like him who would never leave us or forsake us. He will never abandon us, but he wants to lead us in the journey. Mark 16:15 to 18. He said, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned." And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The word gospel at the start, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The word gospel in Greek is euangelos, which is where we get the word evangelist from or evangelism. And it literally means to speak the good news. The word preach, interestingly enough, is like the town crier. Who's ever seen or heard a town crier? What is the one thing you notice about them? He makes himself known. He is loud. A town crier declares a message. I've got a message to share. Listen to me. That's preaching the gospel. Too often we say, well, I'm going to go and preach the gospel. And we go and we do something like we feed the poor. I remember we used to have a uh, a community uh, gathering down at Hawthorne Drive with a number of churches. And some people struggled with the fact that people wanted to walk around and evangelise. They said, no, 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 we're not about that. And I thought, are we about evangelism or not? Everything we do is so, it's so easy to do pre-evangelism. But God says, I need you to actually open your mouth and tell people the good news about me. If you won't open your mouth, they could go to hell. There's pre-evangelism, there's evangelism, and then there's discipleship. And what we often forget is the process of evangelism is a part of our walk with God. Somebody shared the good news with you. Somebody responded to God. Maybe many people, but you got saved. Then you were discipled or you're supposed to be discipled. It's an ongoing process. We continue growing. Somewhere in there, and these, these all weave in together, but somewhere in here, we now need to become the disciple-er. And we do that by witnessing the people, by telling them about Jesus, by sharing the good news. Because when they get saved, we now disciple them. And the process isn't complete until we make another disciple. If we stop at salvation and never go any further... We shortcut the system, and we're not playing our part in community. God says, "I want to partner with you. I want you to preach the good news." And if we look in Ephesians four eleven to thirteen, it says, "He Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith." And of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We like the edifying part. We even like the perfecting part. But the ministry part is something that many people struggle with. You mean I have to go out and do something? That's part of the process. But we need to be ready to follow God's lead. And verse 17, as I read before from Mark 16, these signs will follow those who believe. Who is a believer here today? If you are a believer, these signs should follow you. In my name they will cast out demons. You're a demon chaser. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The Holy Spirit partnering with you, you should be seeing miracles. And I'm not not saying you're doing the wrong thing because you're not, but they're things that we should be seeking God every day. When I pray God, I'm praying in faith and I'm trusting that you will do something through this. When I speak, I speak in faith, trusting that God will do something through this. Remember the verse I shared earlier, Paul sowed, Apollos watered, God reap the harvest. Somebody has to sow the seed. Somebody has to water. And if you've ever planted seeds in your garden, you plant the seed. How many times do you have to water it before you see fruit? Quite a few times. Many times. So it might be that you plant the seed. It might be that you water. It might be that somebody else waters and somebody else waters. Don't be upset if you don't see results. Just be obedient to his leading. And be willing to share your story as i was preparing this message i just felt that there are some people even here who need to get their testimony ready and that's a good thing for all of us to do but i just felt there was a prompting that we need to get our story ready god may ask you to share your story with somebody one day why would god ask you to do that have a guess why would god ask you to share your story with someone else further his kingdom yep somebody needs to hear your story your story is powerful what God did in your life is an incredible thing because Bernie's testimony is never ever going to be my testimony you will never catch me underwater staring at a shark (laughs) you'll never catch me on top of the water staring at a shark but John's testimony is different to mine As a policeman, he's experienced a whole lot of things. He's connected with a whole lot of people. My testimony is different to Thomas's. So we all have a part to play. And if God wants to use me to reach someone, and I say, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that, it might be a lot harder for John to come along and speak the word because they just may not connect. If God says, I need you to share your testimony, it's because your testimony is powerful. Never underestimate the power of what God has done through your life. Ephesians 2, 1-10 And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Just in that first part alone, you used to walk in the course of the world according to the prince of the power of the air but the verse one, he made you alive. He made you alive. God did. The enemy had a hold on your life. The enemy was doing things in your life. He was trying to trip you up. Even as Christians, he will still try and trip you up. You are not exempt from him trying to manipulate you. But we serve a God who makes us alive. And we need to fall in love with Jesus again. We need to, and I'm not saying you're not, But grow more in love. If I don't continue to work on my marriage with Robin, one day it's going to go stale. We both need to work on our marriage. We both need to work on relationship. If I don't do my part before God, I will fall out of love with Jesus. And then I wonder, God, why Why are things not happening? Why am I not seeing... Verse 6, he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace have you been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand That we should walk in them i would encourage you to read ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 10 when you get home and make some notes on it we have some incredible things have been done for us through god and because of that we can be specific in our story we can be very very specific in our story because our story continues to grow The journey we go on continues to add to our story. 2 Corinthians 3.18, we've been changed from glory to glory. You know, situations you go through, we love the mountaintop experience. We don't always like the valley, but it's in the valley where our story grows. It's in the valley where where we encounter God, where we, we connect with God and say, God, I need you more. Psalm 107 verse 2 from the NLT says, Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. Has God redeemed you? Then tell others. That's the message of the gospel. We get scared of the word evangelism. But evangelism is nothing more than you sharing your story because you've got a message to tell. You can make a connection with people in a very, very powerful way. Your story is one of the tools God will use to advance his kingdom. Never, ever, ever underestimate the power of your story. Why? Because it includes Jesus. It includes what he's done for you. You've got mail to deliver. Amen? You've got a message to deliver. Somebody needs to hear your story. And I would encourage you to write down your story. Write down what God has done for you. Write down who you are in Christ. Write down the things that you have in Christ. Because when you have a revelation of who you are in Christ, you can now tell others. The key to doing evangelism is to fall in love with Jesus. The more we know Jesus, the more we love him. The more we love Jesus, the more we will love others the more we love others, the more we will point people to Jesus. This is our church mission statement. Evangelism is wrapped up even in our mission statement because we need to come to that place where we know Jesus because when we know Jesus, then we will love him more. When we love him more, we can love others more. And when we love others more, we will want to point them to Jesus. Amen. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for your life. We want to thank you for everything that you have done for us. You are so, so wonderful. Father, I ask that you challenge us, even even in this moment, to press in, to give you more of our lives, to spend more time with you one-on-one, not necessarily long times, but intentional times. God, I'm here just to tell you you're awesome. God, I really need your advice on this. What do I do? Speak to me throughout this day. As I read your word, I ask that you speak to me. I want to know what your plan is for my life. I want to know how I deal with this problem that I'm facing. Joshua 24, 14 to 15 so fear the lord and serve him wholeheartedly put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the euphrates river in egypt serve the lord but if you refuse to serve the lord then choose today whom you will serve would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the euphrates or will the gods of the amorites in whose land you now live but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord. There's a point in our life where we need to make that initial response to God. But there's also a point in our life where we need to, or we may need to recommit ourselves to God again and say, God, I just want to fall in love with you over again. And I've prayed that prayer many, many times. God, I've had a hard week. I just, I just want to be close to you. Show me how to fall in love with you even more. Show me how to get closer to you even more. I just want to ask everyone to stand. I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I commit myself to you again today. I thank you for all you've done. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for giving me your Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving me your Word and setting everything up for me to be in relationship with you. I need you, Father. I surrender to you again today. I want to fall more in love with you than I was yesterday. Help me grow in you. Use me for your glory. Show me what my story is and how to use that to witness for you. Use me for your glory, I pray, in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for all you've done for us. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your love, your mercy. Lord, we are your servants We heard earlier even in communion how you want to do relationship with us. You want to walk with us. And Lord, we are so thankful that we have you to lean on. We are so thankful that we have you to lead us. You've told us to seek Holy Spirit encounters, Lord. Let it be a thing that continues to grow within our lives. Use us, we pray. Use us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.